Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a Kessource production. In this episode, I chat with Mel O'Connor, founder and CEO of Oculo. Sports Epreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcast, blog, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mel and his team are dedicated to the research and development of tech-driven training systems in elite sport. Oculus cutting-edge training systems pioneers the innovative control of lighting to improve response times, leading to enhanced performance and a tangible competitive advantage. Oculus can help shave milliseconds off sports requiring responses to fast-moving objects. The bottom line is Oculus is creating more space for athletes to be better. And with that, let's welcome Mel O'Connor. I've been hearing a lot of interviews with athletes or just people in sports. You watch a Premier League game on Saturday mornings here and technology is going to appear because there's going to be a VAR, right? Yeah. And we're going to be dealing with like just, I don't even know if it's inches or it wouldn't be inches, it, millimeters, right? It's millimeters off sides or was he or wasn't he? And who gets to decide this? And, and how do they even get this technology? And they're drawing the lines on your TV and I'm having my cup of coffee and I'm like, or what's going on here, right? And so... It's fascinating what technology is doing in sports today. And I want to kind of go down that path if we could a little bit to just overall talking about technology. I know it's not the technology you're talking about, but we're talking about milliseconds of things that can change. But what do you see when you see like when I say the word technology in sports, like what comes to your mind? So I think, well, the ProZone system before mine, actually, the ProZone, we've actually been speaking to Ram who invented ProZone. ProZone is where they put the cameras all around the stadium and they got all of the data so they could start. And this is where these lines came from and the bars kind of added on to. So it's ProZone, that was the first bit of technology that went in. It was 1999, it went into Man United. I don't know if you've heard the story of Ram, really, it's great. So Ram used to work for Mars Bar and then he, he, he got sick of working at Mars Bar and decided that he wanted to do something in football. He was from Sri Lanka, but was housed in Derby. And then uh, he came up with this idea of having this room full of chairs, the massage chairs, so the players could just go in after a game or for a brief and they go in, but they get comfortable, they get to sit in these lovely chairs and they listen to the coach. That was initially what it was. And then uh, Steve McLaren took it on. He was at Derby at the time, he was the Derby coach. And he said, look, we'll trial it. So they had these chairs, put a big screen at the front of the chamber thing and then and showed them the game and said, right, this is where you've gone wrong, this is where you've gone right and wrong. And that was essentially it. And then they said, well, how much is it, Ram? And Ram said, oh, that's £250,000. And they went, "Ah, that's a bit expensive for a a room full of chairs. He said, well, okay, I'm absolutely onto that. So he he came up with this whole camera system to so he could film the games themselves and then edit it and then then put it back. So it was tailored to every individual player. So it became the ProZone, this actual video and stats-based system pretty much overnight. As he was doing it, McLaren, Ferguson asked McLaren to go to Man United. So McLaren went to Man United in 1998 or 1999. And he said, I'll come to Man United, but I want you to take ProZone on. And Ferguson said, look, will it get me performance on the pitch on a match day? And will it make my players better? And will it make me 
explain the information over in a, in a better fashion. And he said, look, I'll lance all three of those. So he said, right, have it. Um, so Ram, give him it for free that season, but said, if you win a trophy, I get £50,000 for every trophy you win. So they won their treble. So um, Ram was sitting there on the, on the, in the Champions League file and, um, and just pulled out his invoice and then just said, right, you got to sign that. And then that was ProZone. So ProZone, that next season, they went from having Man United in Derby to having seven Premier League clubs the next season, 2000. And then pretty much they're now everywhere. They're in, they're, it's all over the world now. American football has just developed it for American football. He sold the company, I think, in 2008, but still has a little bit of a hands-on. It's changed name now. But it's, I think that kick-started everything. It's technology to me. We're now getting to the, the athletes are, are running as fast as they can. They're probably kicking the ball as good as they can. The technique's there. I think what I looked at was the eyes. Like, nobody's really touching the eyes. They are now. They're starting to do peripheral vision and things like that. But we work behind the eyes. So it's, it's almost it's at a biological level. In a special light, I saw this. It was from a guy in Vancouver, actually, a, a scientist based in Vancouver. And he was, there was a piece about how humans see in, in certain light levels. In that light level, say I threw a ball at you, it would be your visual system's 20% delayed. So, so that's like a mesopic light level. So that's like a dusk or a dawn, but it's quite a, a stringent light level. So if I threw a ball at you, you'd have to react 20% faster to catch it. And I thought, if you kept doing that, is your body going to respond and is it going to override it? And would it potentially be transferable to normal playing conditions? Because if you've got to react 20% past the catch it, your body's doing something. He was based in Vancouver, but I had a look at his number and he was based in Newcastle for a sabbatical for six months. So I rang him and he answered the phone at the university. And I said, look, I've just seen your piece on human vision in certain light levels. And I said, do you think it could be applied to sport? And he said, I don't know, but I know somebody at Durham University, let's do a study. So we did a study at Durham University with some cricketers, pro cricket players, tested them in normal lighting conditions, did eight weeks in our ocular light levels, we call it, and then did another post-test in daylight. And um, we got most of them back up to 99 miles an hour. So this extra 20%, it's called this adaptive plasticity. When you go back into normal paint conditions, you're essentially 20% faster. Your visual system has been recalibrated to pick up the ball better. So in the normal light conditions, it's easier. So it's almost like training high, low, low, but but nobody's done that. So I was, this was 20 years ago. And so I've always had it. I've had a full film career in that time. I've had a career, I've had children and I've researched it myself along with Professor Sharp and a couple of others. And then a couple of years ago, I got investment. That's where we, I knew what we had. And I thought, well, we've got a great product at a time where people really need this technology. You really need to eke something out. And if I put this out 20 years ago, I don't think people would have done it. I don't think they were ready for it, but now they are, especially with, it's for goalkeepers and outfield players, but goalkeepers becoming this thing now. Goalkeepers are becoming an important integral part of their team uh, with Allison and Edison and things. And the sweepers, they almost play a sweeper. Their, their distribution's in, massively important. And their feet is just as important as the hands now. So we, the system's designed to react to your, both your feet and your hands. It's, it's just for the, to make a complete footballer 20% faster. So to me, to get back to your question, technology has always played a massive part of how I viewed it. I think there's always something, when I hit on that, I knew there was something there. Yeah. And there's so much to go on there, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but you just brought up something, the goalkeeper. Do you see goalkeeper as the number one user, or obviously the club, and then getting the goalkeeper involved? Because obviously this could apply to Major League Baseball players or baseball players in general. Because these guys are throwing 100 miles an hour, right? Do you see goalkeeper as perhaps maybe the person that would get the most use out of this? No, I think the baseball players. It's all we, When we did it in cricket, the cricket players as well, uh, tennis players, 
cricket, we, we tested it. I mean, they're working at, at 80, 90 miles an hour, but they, there's no money in cricket. So to build a system, and I've explored it as well, and, and to build a system, I've tried to bring it down, and I wanted it for the masses, really. I wanted to start from grassroots and work up, but because of the expense of the system and the software involved in it, I've had to start from the elite and work down. So baseball is definitely where it's at. It works better at those higher speeds. Goalkeepers and outfield players, it, it's, it, there's a market there, and it works equally well for them. But I, I think the stats that I've connected to baseball, I think is, is our, our key is actually England, Europe, for soccer, soccer in America, uh, and then switch to baseball as soon as possible. Always be in the strategy. Yeah, that makes sense. And because there's only so many goalkeepers, right? You'll run out of them. And, and one goalkeeper or how many are inside of a club, there's not that many, even at the biggest clubs in the world. So the club would have to invest it. I'm sure they will, right? So do you see clubs, you see Premier League clubs, and I've, I've read some stuff to say that the Premier League clubs, and I don't know who it was, and you could probably fill us in. Someone said that every... Premier League club should have this system at their disposal. Well, my system, the Oculus system. Yes, Oculus. Yeah, sorry. Oh, without, 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 I mean, we've been speaking to a lot of clubs. We spoke to Man United. We've been speaking to Chelsea. We had Hartlepool United who were, who were doing this trial with us, and it was their goalkeeping department. Uh, Ross Turnbull, who used to play for Chelsea, actually won the Champions League with them. He's the head of goalkeeping there. So uh, he brought them up. We gave them a free of charge, and they were, they were, I mean, they were outstanding. It, we did four sessions, and in those four sessions, Ben Killip kept four clean sheets out of six. Conceded two, uh, saved a penalty, did a worldly save, and got an England C call up, which is the lower level England call up. And it was incredible. And, it, and he said to me after every session, he's never picked the ball up better. And I'm not a goalkeeper. I was a Sunday league footballer, but I'm not a professional footballer, but we can make him in the system much faster, much better able to pick the ball up. Ross Turnbull went straight down to Chelsea and said, okay, you've got to have it. Uh, we've got a lot of people asking for it now. The first sale is going to go through to FC for Malicio. And then City of Angels Club in America, potentially. But FC Fomicio, the owners are, they own North Atletico Madrid as well. So they said if it works well with FC Fomicio, we'll go to, it'll go straight to Atletico Madrid. I spoke to some people at Man United and a few other clubs, but there's, there's a lot of interest. But every club has to have it. It's been built specifically for outfield and goalkeeper, but we've only done the goalkeeper first. So only seen the goalkeeper. So I've got 3,000 followers on Instagram who are essentially goalkeepers. So now I'm just putting the outfielder stuff out now. So, but no, it's designed everybody from six years old to your first team. Yeah. It's amazing too, because just having this conversation, there's a few people I'd love to introduce you to that are in the baseball training world. You know, I'm thinking of someone in San Diego, someone in Sacramento area, and this is what they work on. You know, one of them's a hitting coach. Well, what would a hitting coach like the best to be able to pick up the ball as it's coming in? Like we just talked about, like how fast they're throwing the ball and they absolutely need this. And you've mentioned this twice now, which you've talked about with Ross Chamberlain and giving it away. And you talked about when ProZone came in and Ferguson was there and he gave it to him for free because you realize, well, this is like you said, also, this is very expensive. This is like very complicated. There's a lot of software involved, but you're so confident in it. And obviously they were so confident in ProZone to say, we will give it to Man United. Now, the only thing we ask for is something on the back end of it. What we're going to ask for on the back end of it is when you win a trophy, you're going to write us a check. And they'd be happy to write a check, right? Because then everyone wins at that point. But you've said that now a couple of times and it makes a lot of sense to say, well, we're going to give this to you. Tell me what you think about it because then you're going to get the reviews, right? It's no different than someone wrote a book. I'm going to send you a copy of the book. Can you read it? And if you love it, will you write a review and you tell all your fans about it? That is a fascinating component of this, but it's also risk because someone might not buy it and now you're out even more money. Do you feel that stress of that burden or is it more of a... I just want to get it in their hands because I know if it's in their hands, they're going to be so impressed by it. 
Yeah, I think because I've had this for 20 years, I know what a, what a powerful weapon it is. You know, it's based on an objective science. It's the pull fitch effect. It's completely objective. It, your, your visual system has to get better. I've seen the results. What we've done is everybody we've put through has improved from first session, in the first session, exactly how the cricketers did, exactly how the table tennis players did. We did a football study earlier on. Everybody's done exactly how the science works. So I'm giving them a product that I know they're going to like. So Brentford are getting this system that we've got now. The beta version Brentford are having. They're getting it for six weeks as a trial. That was actually signed off before the lockdown. And Brentford are really forward thinking club, the championship club, but they do the money ball. So they work on stats. The guy, they're a fantastic analytics. Club. Yeah, yeah they are the great. So it's going to go there. But I'm so confident. I've always said, any coach, any player, just go in it and tell me, you tell me, and they do. So I just literally put them in it. I don't say anything. I don't tell them about the science. I don't say a thing. And I say, right, what happens? Well, how do you feel now? I do the ocular light levels and I put the natural light levels on. And they're, they're catching 80 miles an hour balls that they wouldn't have done, you know. And that's bottom corners, coming to the top corners. So I'm making the feet faster. It's just there. So yeah, so the, the, whole, the whole game is you have it and give us a bat if you don't like it. It'll cost me 10 grand to, to put it into the business. I've asked them to pay for that, for the, potentially some of the money to install it because it's quite a big. It's a 22 meter tunnel. Right. So when you install it, that whole process of getting it to where it needs to go. So you take it and you're installing it. Does it stay there? Can you go and break it down and take it somewhere else? Tell me a little bit about how the system's installed, what all goes into that. Because getting it to certain places, obviously the the club's going to have to have some money. It's not like I'm going to go take it and put it in my basement for my Sunday use, right? I mean, perhaps you could, but do you need someone on staff to help run the system? Yeah, you do, but we've I built this software and I've had this software in mind for 20 years. So it's all been there. It's just been getting companies to do it. And I've, I've simplified everything. So the, the tunnel is almost like a it's like a tent. It's like a steel tent, but it's a it's built by a company called Rope, who do a lot of the football training facilities in in England. So it's classed as a semi-permanent building. It's 22 meters long. We can probably shorten that now. We, we've, we've learned we can probably get that down to about 20 meters, maybe 18. But it's it's a big tunnel. It's classed as a semi-permanent building. So you might have to have kind of planning. But it's just a steel structure with a PVC, double-layered PVC or the top to control the light level so it's opaque. Then we have a, our software, which is really intuitive. You just put your player's name in, tell if he's an outfielder, goalkeeper, left foot or right foot, and then select his training regimen. We'll put in 100. They can have unlimited amounts. So they, then they just press that regimen and then press go. And then it fires the ball, does the rest. The machine fires 15 balls wherever you want it. To an outfielder, there's a square, so that they've got to control it in a square, and we've got sensors to detect that that's controlled, and also height-wise, so that it doesn't screw up. We want, it, we want that ball to be controlled in a nice, controlled uh, manner. And then they've got to pass it through a circle, which is an, out, an output, so that allows them to pass it back through the circle. So it's, it's, that's not essential, but that gives them an output, so that it's overloading them, like what Mark and Lee do. And then the goalkeeper does the same. We've got sensors in the goal. He's either got to save it, he's got to save it, and if he does... Distributed through this one of the two circles that light up, and then that's got our special lights in there. So there's a lot of kit goes in with that. That's kind of a, a three to four day build, but that's with the company rope. We we give it to them. They just that's what they do. They put the building up. It's plug and play. Cables there. There's cables already attached. They put it in. We just add our our hub and the flooring, which is black astral turf. It has to be black to control the light levels. So it's about a three or four day process to put it down, and then Lee and Mark are going to come in for two or three days and work with the coach. And we've called. The brand Oculo Excel together because we found that in speaking to Lee as well, there's a lot of old school goalkeeper coaches who were saying, Well, I'm not going to take Oculo because you're going to take my job. You're making 20% faster and it's quite competitive. So we've done an Excel together. It's really easy. There's four stages. 
you press the buttons, we'll tell them how to do it, and it's really easy. You just have to load the button, and eventually that'll be automated. So it's semi-automatic, uh, automated at the moment. But so yeah, it's quite a simple process. In a week, the club have got it up and running, and it's ten minutes per player, twice a week. Wow. Do you envision where maybe the club doesn't have it, but you have a location where people can come to the location? And so let's say youth clubs or academies, whether baseball, football, soccer, you know, all those things that they could come to the facility and train at the facility, or is it more of acquire it and have it at your own facility? We actually spoke to Tony Parks. I presented at the National Goalkeeper Conference last year and Tony Parks is there. He used to play for Aston Villa, Tottenham and uh, I think he went away for a cup with Aston Villa, but he was also an England coach and he I was presenting for the first time this Oculo product project. And he said, actually, he came up to me before I went and spoke and he said, oh, did you do the cricket studies? And I said, oh yeah, I did um, with Graham Fowler, who was a, an England cricketer. And uh, he said, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, you know. And uh, So anyway, I spoke. It was supposed to only be 20 minutes. I was up nearly two hours. There was lots of goalkeeper coaches from Huddersfield Town. There was the, from a lot of the bigger clubs in the championship and, and from around Europe. And Tony Park said, don't start from grassroots, start from the Premier League. And he said that the reason being, uh, he just said, you'll dilute it. And the Premier League players might kind of see it as a bit of a gimmick in that kind of sense. So, and we have, and since then, we've made it, we've scaled it from the Premier League down. But I built this Oculus score into the system, which is trademarked. And the Oculus score is like a golf handicap for football. So it simplifies that again. So we get loads of stats. That, I mean, incredible. We could baffle you with the stats, but all you want to know is, right, what's your Oculus score? That'll become, that will be into agents. That could become massive. And I've always said that is the product because it, it's, it would simplify a rating system for football. So this, um, this Oculus score will run alongside it, especially with the graphs that will show you how good you, you're getting. But this Oculus score will always be relevant. So this Oculus score, we've built it alongside a top 100 in your club or a top 25 in your club because they're, they're competitive. So we've, we want it solely at a club for them to, to really absorb it and have it there on tap. Getting players down to your facility is a, is a sometimes an insurance nightmare or logistically quite difficult. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I've asked it a couple of different ways and, and I'm understanding it more that it really does have to start up here. And then it kind of, it'll come down when everyone starts talking about it. Perhaps, perhaps it comes down and other people get involved because you see it with stat sports. You see it with the GPS devices that all these players are wearing. You see it, and I've mentioned college football in here. And as you track some of the large programs with a lot of money, they have all these things. I read about Omega Wave, heart rate uh, variability, central nervous system tests. Zebra does microchip that tracks your speed, your distance, the direction that you've traveled. They're also testing hydration and nutrition game studies. Like you mentioned before, it's like, well, it was as simple as popping in the VHS tape and watching the game. And there's all these stories about all these players did it. But there's these stories about Kobe Bryant. And like after the game, everyone would be going out. Well, he would go in and grab his, whoever managed that system. And they would go to his room, put in the VHS tape, and he would watch the games. He would watch other games and he would watch how they're playing it. And again, that He's just trying to pick up any little thing to get a little bit better because he knew if he could just get a little bit better, he knew the tendency of this guy or how this guy acted or, or what did Michael Jordan do in those situations and how can I emulate those types of things? That's more basic, obviously, but the more and more you do it, the more you pick it up. But there's also a negative side to technology. You see, you know, talk about baseball, the Houston Astros, which in Major League Baseball is just thrown the whole baseball world upside down. In many ways, it's actually getting a lot of people to pay attention to baseball. They were using technology in a different way they were stealing signs. And sign stealing has been around, right? But not the way they were doing it, right? They had cameras on it and they were picking up the signs so the batters knew exactly the pitch that was going to come to them. So they knew if it was a fastball and where it was going to go based on the technology they had picked up and then the signals that they would give using a trash can and using who knows what else was involved with this process. But 
that was technology, right? And that was a big deal for Major League Baseball. And so there are people that look at technology and you'd mentioned it before that, well, I'm a goalkeeper coach. You're going to eliminate me. I don't see that because, well, technology is always going to disrupt. So if you're not willing to accept technology, I think there's a potential for disruption. But you're not necessarily changing the fundamentals of how you play the position. You're just saying, if you can have these fundamentals and if you have the ability and the talent and the wherewithal, all these different things and the mindset that it takes, if I can give you just a millisecond more that you can react to that ball coming to you faster, you're going to be better for it. I don't think there's anything people would say, well, that's taking advantage of the system. It's just, this is technology and technology is going to continue to grow. I mean, we see it in golf. Golf's got a big issue because they can't make these golf courses long enough for these players because the balls are better. The clubs are better. The players are stronger and faster. They have technology. They understand all the stats. I mean, they're sitting out there with iPads pulling up all these different stats. I guess what I'm saying is there's just a lot. And we started with this as far as technology is concerned. And there's definitely just concerns around it. And I, I just want to just kind of go down that topic a little bit more with you as it relates to that. But but it's also fascinating to watch like players are showing up to football practice and they're doing a urinalysis test to test their hydration, right? I mean, this isn't what was happening 10, 15 years ago. And it just imagine where we're going. Like you said, what's your Oculus score? That wasn't around 10 years ago. It wasn't around a couple years ago. But I see it. And I see this podcast is like, someone's going to be researching this. They're going to hear like the story of where you were in 2020 and what you were doing to build this amazing product that's now you know being used by Major League Baseball clubs. It's being used by the MLS and the Premier League and all these different places. So anyway, I'm just kind of talking. So take that wherever you think you want to take it to. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we've got a technologies in, in every part of our lives there, isn't it? And it's I've always looked at the football. I'm a traditionalist as well. You know, I love I love football. I've like uh, 20 years ago, it was a different game to what it is now. You know, the tackles that I did 10, 15 years ago, you would never get away with. And I'll, I find it myself, I'll go, oh, do you know what? I sometimes miss that. I miss the old days. But at the same time, the Premier League's incredible to watch. It's a spectacle. The fact, the speed of the Premier League, it's increased by 60% in 12 years, the speed of the game. So that's that's when they get the ball, the, the amount that they're running and bits bobs. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge because it was fast in 2007 days. Whatever makes it better and technically better, I'm all for anyway. I've, I've, I think it's fine if it works well and it does the job and, and we get a fair result, then that's fine. I think where I'm going, it's it's always, I've had this product for 20 years. It's, it's I just want it out there. There was a few times I nearly had investment, some quite substantial investment and it just didn't work or it, it wasn't right. And I've had the opportunity to, to get an investor who nearly bought Sunderland actually two years ago. You know, he was actually, he was in the first Netflix documentary. I think he's in the background on one of the on one of the shots, and he's a lovely guy, and, and he's really nice. And he just said, "Look, you're a nice guy. I think the product's brilliant. I think we should. You just be the CEO, and you run it." I've got, I've, my background's filming. I've, I haven't never built a business before, but I know the product, and uh, and I think it's just the, I've got this opportunity to get this product out there that will do something that people haven't done before. They're using physical stimulation. They're doing those things where you tap it, or the Petacek was using the table tennis ball thing that fires at you. It's basically, it's got, you've got to make a decision with the, with the right color ball. But um, I said, if you did that in Oculo, you'd get the benefits. You, you wouldn't really... You, that's, it's the environment that we created. And this environment, if I'm not doing it, somebody else is going to be doing it in the next couple of years because it's it's an objective science. And I think what, we've started to unleash, unleash something now. And there's a lot of people... We had 4 million people look at our stuff a couple of weeks ago, a couple maybe six weeks ago. And the, somebody was telling me a story where their son was throwing cushions at his brother. And, uh, and he said, what are you doing? He went on. Oh, I'm playing up below. And it was like, what? Where did, where did that? 
It's just really cool. It's like, uh, <laughs> it is really. So it's, it will become a thing. And I think I just want, we're a nice company, a nice bunch of people who just want to put something out there and, and to, in elite sport. And I think we've got a good opportunity. And if we do it right, we can do that. But I think it is, it's getting to America. I think, I think in America, people are more ready for this. I think it's, the US is probably better prepared than, than England is for the technology. That's interesting that it's that it's ready. And, and they talk about Sunderland. I think Sunderland was one of the first to wear the stat sports, to wear the GPS system and taking it on fully. Now you see it everywhere. And people are like, what is that that they're doing? And yeah, I mean, hockey's another one where they're chipping them. They're seeing their speed. And there's I couldn't even tell you how much data that they want, right? That, and that's pulling in the data. But this is going to help it because you're, you're measuring the data in this environment to when they go out, they can perform better. There was a line I heard from you because you have this passion for it, right? And it's an entrepreneurial passion. It's a passion for the technology, a passion for the sport and just and just loving and being around it and being a creative and being in, in films, right? But you said creating more space for athletes to be better. And I think that's what it is. Oculo is a lot of things of what it can be, but that is you're just wanting athletes to be better, to have a better experience, to perform better, to do all these different things. And I think that line for me is like, when I'm trying to understand, well, it's technology, me you are creating more space for athletes to be better. And I just want to say, I love that line, but I want to allow you to kind of take that line from there. And when you came up with that or what you think about that. That's really important that you pick that up because that was absolutely fundamental to the whole thing. And as a team, we, we sat, we've had many meetings. How do we word it? How do we word what we have? We're not a reaction-based company. We're not a software a tech company. Technically, we create an environment that makes the player better. So I think that when we say Excel together, this is where the whole Excel together come from. When we go to the coach, we need them. We make them 20% faster. But we found with the cricketers, the feet weren't just catching up with as quick as the hands when they were doing the, the batting. So the coach had to say, well, I'll tell you what, you need to put your feet there and do this. And then all of a sudden, within a, a conversation with the coach, they're flying. They're even better. And so you kind of, we've given this, the players this opportunity and the coaches this opportunity to have their players better and have this ability but we need them. It can't be done without them. And so it has to have the technical aspect. Our baby is making them faster when using the light levels and, and doing that thing. But they really, we're just passing them over and just saying, right, there you go. They go in one door, they get better and they've got another one to you. So it's massively important. Yeah. But uh, we were talking about quite big margins, you know, and, and what their ability. There was a thing where when I went to watch Hartlepool United, it was the first time I did a training session with them. And then on the Saturday, they invited me to the game. So I watched Ben Killip in goal, who'd been training with me for the week before. And it was the first time it was tangible. I mean, it's only, it's National League, which is seventh tier in English football. But good, good. It's good level. Hartlepool win the, in the league a few years ago. And I was watching Ben and Ross came over to me in the morning and said, look, I was watching him train before the game and Ross said he's really sharp. He feels brilliant. And I was sitting there on the sideline going, you know, this, I was dead fearful because it's, this is 20 years in the making. Now, now it's tangible. It's on the pitch. So that feeling that I had there, that is what it was all for. That bit there, you're actually making a difference. And Ben Killip come over at the end, you know, saying, thanks. This is great. You know, he's, he's like, so that sums it up. It's that, that's that little bit there where this tangible evidence of it actually being on the pitch and me being a part of that. If it was for Newcastle United, my, my team, that would be my job done. I'd be happy and I can, I'd be happy with that. But, We've got an opportunity to, to take around the world in many sports. So it is brilliant. I'm happy that you got to that point because it's so much like you have this strong passion for this. And you said you keep saying 20 years in the making and you've been doing all these other things and, and it wasn't there yet. You knew it was close and you knew it was going to happen one day. But when you can get to that experience and where you can be in the crowd and you can watch it and you can say, he had all of his hard work and he had all these different things. But if you could say that Aculo played a, even a small part 
and his success of what's happening. How special is that? I see it a lot of times when, when we work with someone and they start creating content. Let's say they start a podcast and they go through this podcast. And at the beginning, you know, they're starting off, they're uncertain, they're unsure, and they go through it and they share more information. They have better conversations. They become a better listener. They, whatever that is that they pull from it, maybe they get more opportunities. And at the end of it, and you talk to them, they're like, I've learned so much about myself that I couldn't even put a dollar figure on what it is that I just went through. That experience, that path that I went down, when I hear those things, that's like the chills, right? That's what I feel personally. And that's why I'm sure you would feel the same way. And so I'm happy. I like it when we talk to other entrepreneurs that do it for these reasons. And that's what's exciting for just myself, just to have a conversation with someone like you, because this was 20 years in the making. Your costume design, you're doing all... And, and I'm sure you have an incredible passion for that. And, and in the meantime, they're like, well, you're doing costume design and you're part of films and you're part of a lot of films and you're obviously extremely busy. And at the same time, you're building the software, the idea, the Oculus, like what's going to happen to a point now where... Chelsea's talking to you about it. Manchester United's talking to you about it. Major League Baseball will be talking. And then who knows where it goes from here. But did you know, like, was there a certain point in time? Like, you always knew it. But was there something that happened when you're, like, on set one day and maybe you're just, like, it's a little bit of downtime. Who knows? We're like, it just hit you that this Oculus thing is going to become something really big. Like, not recently, but maybe more in the past. Or, or what were you thinking during those times when you're doing the costume designs, when you're doing your other work? Or was it just the consistent approach to something that you're after. Yeah. There's probably a couple of moments because it's been a slog. It hasn't been easy by any stretch. I, I think it's the amount of hours and um, I mean, the amount of, it's been a hard, a hard slog. But I wouldn't have done it without the knowing that, that I could do what I could do. So if it, if it didn't do it, I wouldn't have chased it really. But I, I knew that I'd get it out there. I knew it had to be out at some point and I knew it was too big an idea. And, I'm, and I've sat in, I work on a TV show in a soap, soap opera in England at the moment. And I sit in a, a dark room watching the TV, watching the continuity of the, of the clothes. And so, many times I've sat there and I've just thought, you know, like, I, I, and I, I sit because my job is split into 30 second sections where I watch the take, then it's a break and then, uh, then I'll do another take. But in between the breaks, or I'm constantly thinking about it. And, and uh, so, there's been times where I've been in there and I, there was a, when I got the investor to come on now, when he said, look, I, I'm, I'll back you all the way. At that point, I realized that I had something. I knew that it was going to put out, be put out there, but it never felt like a moment where I could, I could shout in the air and scream and go, right, yes, we're going to do it. The moment that happened was when I came back from Hartlepool for the first game that he had the, the nil-nil drawn, he got a clean sheet. I remember telling me, my girlfriend, and I, I let out a massive tri, like primal scream in the car and I felt absolutely elated and I think it was just so whatever that was that was the point that was the exact moment that I thought right this is it this is going to do what we plan it to do and we've now got the ability to make it happen with a bit of money behind us and, and the products it's actually a couple of weeks away from being complete with everything in we've had to do a few pieces of software but that was definitely the moment where this is happening all of a sudden everybody came to us all of the clubs came to us it was that week we had 4 million views on the, on the social media maybe it's a week after that but it was quite close. But all of the clubs started getting in touch with us and we started releasing social media, stuff on social media, and then it kind of exploded. So it was it was over that yeah. two-week period. That was the That's fascinating. Well, there's a point too, I think, when someone's willing to put, you've heard the term skin in the game. So you have someone who's willing to take their money and invest it with the risk of losing all of it, right? This thing could it could have gone under and he has a chance to lose everything. When I think you see that and you realize that someone's investing in it. 
and they're willing to put their own skin in the game based on the idea and my work and my passion. I get it, man. That's like, man, you're onto something. And I would imagine that that parlayed with the fact that you're watching it in action take place on the pitch. It's like the combination effect that this is where it's going. And then you start having the conversations and you just take off from there. So, you know, I'm glad you've done it. I'm glad you saw this. And I think this is, goes to anybody because there's a lot of amazing ideas out there. And we, I hear it a lot in just people, right? They're working they could be working at a bank. They could be working on a film set. It's just, you name it, but they have this passion and those experiences that they're going through that you might think has nothing to do with what it is you're doing over here. Like people would say to me, like, well, you're in the insurance business. That has nothing to do with content creation. And perhaps that's true and perhaps it's not, but it's like those things you've gone through, those lessons that you learn in that, the experience that you have, the interactions that you have, the people you've met along the way, it has everything to do with the stories that you get to tell and the things that you get to share and the experiences that you go through. Because then once you talk to someone in that arena, well, you have a background in it. And so you can stack these things together and costume design. You, you know, I could just see the background very clean, very sharp, right? And even in your background where you are right now, because we're on a Zoom call. And I think that even plays in the point, like when I see Aculo show up on LinkedIn and there's a video that you put or on Instagram, you're drawn to it because, well, this is fascinating. It's something like out of Star Wars, right? And you picture yourself being in there. And I think there's that. It's like the artistic side of it does actually even matter. Not that that was the point of what I was saying, but I think that is the next thing. It's like, it should matter. It should look the part. It should be clean. It should be, oh, I can take this in a bite size and understand what it's like. So then the club can have an opportunity to take advantage of it. So I think there's all that. I think it's a, a club or the clubs will crave it. Like when you start thinking about habits, well, they're going to want, they have the habit of, we have to have our, our keepers in this on a weekly basis. Like we crave it, the keepers crave it. No different than a major league baseball club saying, we need all of our hitters. They have to have a schedule. They have to be in the Oculus system on a weekly basis so they can get better. So, or if they're struggling or whatever that might be, I think there's habits in that as well to say, there'll come a point, they'll have to have it. If they don't have it, they won't know what to do without it. So there's bad habits and there's good habits. And I think Oculus could almost be in a way a habit because they crave it. And maybe the crave was just from seeing it and seeing the success that other people are having with it. So just wanted to share that. But I think you can do something with these ideas if you just give it enough time. It's a lot of, like you said, though, a 20-year overnight success and you're still working on it, right? And it still takes time. And I think there's a lot of people that are pushing. You've talked about Mark and Lee Robinson on here and they constantly are going and it's inspiring. Forget if you ever even play Keeper. Forget if you never want to learn anything about it. You could follow people like that and be inspired by the effort that they're putting out, by the hard work they're putting out, and you can apply it to your own thing. And that's like, you know, people that listen to this podcast, I hope that they take some stuff from what I'm just talking about based on the journey that you've been on and being on films and seeing this idea and talking to people about it and talking to different clubs about it. And then someone comes along and says, I want to buy in. And then someone else comes along and says, I want to partake in it and I want to show you what it's going to look like on the pitch. And it's just fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating, but the journey that Lee's had, you know, to get there as well in it, over his 20-year career, I'm sure, uh, I think we spoke about that in the last one, there's always going to be, um, you're always going to be hit a wall at some point or do something, nothing ever comes easy. And that, that's, and certainly not sending a business, whatever business that is, or, or when anything, doing a job, doing a job that you might not have done, or, or you're learning from day one. And as a costume designer, and, and on that side, I've done it for 20 years, I'm learning every day. Every time I go into something new, there always is. And it's always about just uh, growing yourself. I'm, I'm quite a quiet person. 
people say I'm not, but I, I am. And I think sometimes I, have to, I feel like I have to speak or I do something. I'm quiet. So doing a lot of things for me has always been a hurdle. Like actually speaking to the investors, doing board meetings, doing all those kind of things, that things that you didn't think of, or presentations, to do a presentation to pro goalkeepers that they know that they've been doing goalkeeping for 30 years and 40 years and played and won a trophy. And I'm go, coming in going, right, well, I'm going to make it 20% faster. And it's like, oh, it's really, there was a really daunting, daunting things, but you have to do it. It's as simple as that. And, and, and if you do, this is rewarding. It's been set up to be a business. It always has been because there's this potential in it to do all right. But it's never to chase the money. And it was never about that. It was, it was about having this product and see where it went. Yeah. So that, I think they, the key to, to, to my thing is, is just uh, chasing that, whatever that dream was, chasing that idea and that creative idea and, and following it through. Because if you, if you do it well, you've got a good chance of, of pulling something off. Yeah, you know, who knows what comes along the way with it. How do people learn about you? How do people learn about Aculo? We're doing it through Instagram and Twitter. We've been hit a little bit, but uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. But we have the website, the www.oculo.com, which is O-K-K-U-L-O. And they were just getting the, the website revamped. Uh, so that's where it's... We've just got the promo video coming out as well. So that's going to... We're going to release that on social media over the next couple of weeks. LinkedIn's been an incredible tool. With clubs, I spoke to somebody who's they call the Scout Hub. They're a brilliant little company, actually. A bunch of young guys, but got a really good product. And they said that 80% of their business was through LinkedIn. I met Ross Turnbull through LinkedIn, Hartlepool United. I met uh, Man United, I think, heard through that there. Eric Steele, I got in touch with Eric Steele from Man United. He, he got in touch with us. And I think that was through LinkedIn. So, yeah, LinkedIn is our main one. Yeah. It's amazing, too. And, and that'll change, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But like the reach and the engagement that you can have and the real conversations, I mean, there's no doubt there's spam, right? There's bad stuff going on there. But when you can cut through that noise, it's phenomenal what it is and, and the kind of conversations you can have. And I appreciate you spending you know, over an hour with us today, Mel, and, and talking through these things and, and learning about Oculus, learning about you, learning about your story. I appreciate it. And I, like I said, I appreciate the time, the energy, and of course, the passion. This is great, man. I appreciate it, Mel. Fantastic. No, I appreciate it as well, Eric. Thank you so much. One of my favorite things about our Sports Epreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mm-hmm.